Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. I almost hate to use the word educational. Charles Staley. Phil Stevens. I guess I'm kind of the, uh, the dark force here. And Rob Fortress Fortney. But there really is no secret. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, folks. Rob Fortress Fortney here, former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter. And uh, Charles Staley here. Hey, everybody. Uh, I am author of Muscle Logic, creator of Escalating Density Training, and I'm a master's level competitive weightlifter. Hey, this is Phil Stevens, uh, strength coach, strength athlete kind of across the board, and founder of LifterHope.org. And underwear model. Yeah, there you go. That's coming next. I'm out here in Cali now. i got to get all ripped and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No, I've been thinking about getting a new singlet made. It's like flesh toned, with uh, um, um, with a G string on it and like a Dude, big hairy chest. That would be bad, man. That would be killer. These are things that I'm not going to be able to get out of my head, <laughs> and not in a good way. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to talk a little bit about um, eating with a plan. And we just talked about this amongst ourselves, really. And all I wanted to really kind of do is, hey, you know, let's let's just talk about what we're doing lately, you know, because we have different plans. Like, you know, Fortress, I know you, you've been gaining a lot of weight. I mean, you weigh more than you ever have. Is that right? Yeah, I actually just broke 290 the other day. That's large. Yeah, you're a large mammal. <laughs> mammal. <laughs> So anyway, I, I, I don't know if we're all literally trying to gain lots of weight right now. I'm trying to gain weight in a more controlled way, you know, um, myself. But, you know, I thought we could just talk about it. So I don't know. Fortress, why don't you start? If you're 290, that's gigantic. The truth of the matter is I uh, decided several months ago that I was just at a roadblock. And primarily it was just because I wasn't eating enough. Um, for the size I was and the, the work that I was doing. Um, but I was still eating for somebody who was 20 or 30 pounds uh, lighter and uh, considerably weaker. So I just decided to finally bring my caloric intake up to um, the standards that I had risen you know, to. And that seemed to have done the trick because, as you've said, I've gained a ton of weight, and it's it's not sloppy weight. I'm... Roughly the same probably body fat I was 25 pounds ago. Um, which is not to say that, you know, I'm, you know, sexy six pack man, but I mean, um, certainly for, for the athlete that I am for what I do, it's, it's, it's more than acceptable. Um, you know, as long as I'm not sloppy, I'm happy with that. But, um, eating really to me is, is the challenge. Um, training sure is hard acutely, but I mean, in the long run, as you yourself, Lonnie, have said, um, you know, it's one thing to eat a lot of calories for a few days in a row, but, you know, to maintain that pretty consistently is, is a real challenge. I liked your, um, oh, I'm sorry, Lonnie, I was going to say I liked, I liked your term acutely, you know, because I think, you know, there are people who are successful in training, but not as successful in nutrition and vice versa, but nutrition always struck me as the more disciplined uh, of the two activities because there's no immediate payoff. I mean, there's always an immediate payoff in training, whether it's an endorphin rush or you get a new PR or you just, you know, whatever it might be, but uh, nutrition takes time to pay off, so that's just the difference. I I love when Charles goes on about that. Yep. I couldn't agree more. It's the maturity thing. You know, eating is all day, every day. It's, uh, like you said, it's tough to stick to that long term. I've seen a ton of kids, like, I'm putting in 8,000 calories a day, and they do it one day a week. <laughs> it ain't going to cut it. Yeah. So. I mean, my eating, and Lonnie can back this up, my eating is pretty drab most of the time. I'm not really into a lot of junk. So, um, 
it's always been a challenge. I mean, I, I still kind of naturally fall towards kind of a more bodybuilding style of eating, which is just everything kind of just plain and simple and, you know, unadorned with gravy and all that type of thing. So, so I find it very, very difficult to get three or 4,000 calories in a day. I mean, that's a challenge can for you, me. Can you give an example, Rob? I mean, like, what do you have for breakfast or a, a typical lunch or something? Cause I think we're not trying to be super prescriptive. It's been unchanged for years now and it's, Typically, you know, six to twelve eggs. Um, you know, maybe two or three yolks thrown in with that. Um, a big bowl of oatmeal with raisins and a banana, and a banana um, glass of orange juice, and you know, all my vitamins and, and things. That's that's pretty much my breakfast in every day, and it has been for again more than a decade, I would say. Hmm. So. Well, I know you're not afraid of the occasional, you know, non-sloppy, non-goopy hamburger and stuff too, right? Like you'll go get a Harvey's triple or something and and not fret. Absolutely. I mean, I've always said that it's uh and again, you know, to discuss this. I think the the danger for guys who are um certainly for the population at large, but even more specifically for people who are concerned with, you know, retaining at least a, a semblance of a of a body. It's it's the things that like the fries and the pop and stuff that usually get you you know, if you're a hard training athlete and you go have like a, you know, just a basic hamburger with a, you know, a few patties thrown into it, I, I don't think that's a problem at all. Um, no, I've heard it time and time again. I mean, people telling me that, man, if I ate like you, I'd look like hell. And well, not if you lifted like me. I mean, exactly. I mean, even you look at a guy like, I mean, a classic, just recent case, a guy like Dave Tate. Yeah. You know, here's a guy that, you know, by his own admission, ate. I mean, you know, I read some of his, you know, diaries of the things that he ate. I mean. Just outrageously disgusting diet. Oh, um, yeah. You know, he he never looked like Tom Arnold. You know, so yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, even at Dave's worst, he was freaking huge and jacked. You know? yeah. So and yeah, that guy was like sucking down gravy with a straw. But, yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, if you really are focusing on the things that we at Iron Radio focus on, which is you know all the heavy compound lifts and. That type of training for you know in an athletic sense and so forth. It's it's and you're training with any degree of consistency and intensity. It's it's pretty difficult to really get really sloppy. I mean, yeah. certainly you'd put on fat for sure, but I mean, I like I say, I mean, it's it's really hard for me to to get fat, you know, um, just because again, you're 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 just your body is just chewing through calories so just swiftly all the time. I mean, that's yeah, a new hard thing coming from yeah. coming from somebody who was very overweight into his early twenties. Uh, transferring into this point now, where I'm at, where I have to, I have to so-called dirty it up to keep weight off. Right. You know, Absolutely. And it's like, woof. You know, I mean, because like I joke with people, like, February I walked into the Highland Games, and uh, or uh, March I walked into the Highland Games, the one I won the B class and moved to the A class, and I was two seventy five. Um, so March, April, May, June, by June, I, I slacked off my nutrition a bit, slacked off eating the crap, and, uh, accidentally lost 25 pounds in that, in three months. <laughs> it's down to 250. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, man, but I mean, you just get tired of freaking eating. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, but it, it's hurt my performance. You know, I gotta get back to it. I you know I went out there and did a Highland Games in a 250. And you get to spin around the circle with 56 pounds in your hand. That counterweight helps a lot. Man. So, yeah, people always think like you know, oh, oh, 280, 290, 300. I mean, you know, to compare to the average person, certainly, but that body's there's a high body weight. But when you're you're putting it in in relevance towards some of the things that you're lifting, it's still not that heavy. No. You know, I mean, what the hell is 300 pounds when you're standing under a 700 pound squat bar? You know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, it's, it's still, it's still a pittance against what you're trying to actually pit yourself against. So, it's very, like you say, uh, you know, Phil, it's, it's uh, your body weight is all relevant to what you're trying to achieve. Certainly, if if you're trying to run long distances, yeah, it's not conducive to that whatsoever. But I mean, and that's why I think this is a very good topic because, you know, it talks directly to, you know, again, you know, specificity as it applies to food and athletics and what you want and what you want to achieve. No, I yeah. think that's a huge one, and it's one that I've been hitting on lately. I hit on a couple of the seminars that me and Charles did, and then wrote an article about it. And that it's a very new phenomenon in this world that the individual is judged on how they look, not what they can do. 
mm-hmm. and it's kind of sad. You know, um, you know there are some. You look at Albert Einstein. The guy wasn't exactly a looker, but you know he's an amazing person. And you know somewhere along those lines, we we lost that fact that. Boy, what a what know, a good point. And Phil, I think we were even talking one time about presidents, right? Yeah. You know how, how you know presidents are largely elected by uh, you know the, te- being telegenic and and and. Uh, a lot of people who would otherwise be incredibly qualified will never make it because they're not telegenic. So it, it really does extend to everything. Absolutely. Music, everything. I actually, it's funny, right along these lines, I just read, it was just a lay article, but I read an article about how people who are better looking tend to get hired over people who are not. And of course they do. You know what I mean? I mean, visual facial imprinting, you have a whole part of your brain dedicated to that stuff. Um, so, yeah, that kind of stuff matters. But, of course, on topic, the ideal situation is to be big and fairly muscular and strong. I mean, and, you know, and be, again, you, you call me an old fogey, but it's that old school idea of, you know, guys who are, they look the part. But they can also perform, you know. I don't like I don't like the idea either. I mean, even coming from a bodybuilding perspective, I don't like the idea of all show and no go. I mean, who wants to do that? It's like false advertising. I don't know. So, yeah, I can I totally see that. And I think uh, again, relative to the diet thing, you know, again, listeners, we're talking about you know periodizing for a while you know you, everybody who's been at the game for a while is going to have some kind of i would think uh, meso cycles or ups and downs whether it's planned or it's a little bit more intuitive or whatever it is and uh you know it, sometimes it's time to eat and it's really really hard to gain weight we have such a national obsession with eating less you know it's like eat less do less and be less doesn't seem to be the you know like charles says when you see what doesn't work all around you um and lots of things don't work with health and, and physique in this society then do the opposite look around and do the opposite i think his advice is is awesome advice in that regard you know interesting Interestingly enough, last night I was at the Canadian National Exhibition here in Toronto, referred to as the CNE or the X, and uh, I was with a friend of mine, and I jokingly said to him that, you know, if an alien came to me and said, you know, show me a mass of humanity so we can get a good cross section of, you know, what what it, it is to be human, um, I certainly wouldn't have brought them to the X. Um, you can imagine um, j- just the 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 gross displays of just obesity and weakness and softness and it was it was alarming, you know, and I'm just thinking to myself, exactly what you said, you know, like all these people, whatever they do, go the other way. <laughs> yeah. It's uh Yeah, I don't know. I mean it's 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 an interesting phenomenon. Um the whole culture in itself. But I mean going back to the food thing, I mean I think Lonnie's right. I mean there's times that we all as an athlete go up and down. I mean I gotta have times where I take a break from from eating and, and then push it back on. I can't walk around at 280 all the time. Uh, I mean, I feel like I can move a house, but when I'm going upstairs, I feel like I'm moving a house. <laughs> so, right, uh, right. You know, it's I'm at my strongest there, but, you know, not definitely not my healthiest. Um, and that's part of being an athlete. But, and uh, it's interesting you talk to these kids now, and they're afraid of losing their they're six pack for more than a week, and a lot of them would would have great benefit of just putting in six months, put in six months and and eat and train hard. And the big thing I tell you tell people is it's it takes weeks to lose fat. It takes years to gain muscle. Um, you know, even bodybuilders, the majority of the time is not spent getting lean. You know, they're they're getting huge and getting jacked. And, you know, before they ever stepped on stage at the Olympia or some big contest, there's 10, 15 years of eating big and training hard um, to, to get to that point. So, Right. You know, let me give you this uh, sort of a quantitative perspective here. If it's somewhere around 2,800 surplus calories to build a pound of muscle, and it's only about 70 grams of protein, surprisingly, for some people, but... You have really got to, you know, and I use this term all the time, but sort of make heroic effort 
in the battle of the knife and fork because there are so many things coming and going in your life, so many factors that to be sure you are in a surplus and actually having enough energy to build new muscle, you know, like Rob was just talking about, you know, breaking new ground because he was eating like a bigger man, then I think you have to get dramatic with that, you know. And again, I personally, especially at age 41, I don't want to do a real sloppy bulk. I got to be careful because I know at the end of this, I'm going to have to whittle myself down to 4% fat. And that's, you know, I got to, I got to sort of keep that in mind. But uh, anyway, so there's numerical realities here, and I don't think by just trying to eat a little bit extra here and there, you know, I hear a lot of these bodybuilders on internet forums and stuff, oh, I just want to eat, I've got it calculated, 250 extra calories per day, and it's like, oh, that's great if you can do that, but in a real world, you've got to get more aggressive than that because, you know, there's too many other things interfering with your linear progress or even curvilinear progress. You know, there's too many other confounders. You've got to get aggressive. But I wanted to say one other thing about what Phil said too, which hit right on the money with me is now I'm not as tall as you guys. I'm not as big as you guys, but when I get over 215, it's like throwing an unhealthy switch. I get up 215, 220 or into the 220s. And I mean, I feel like I have to hold my breath when I bend over to tie my shoes. You know, it's 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 a not a healthy kind of feeling. So what Phil said about you know when you're really huge and you you might be at your strongest, sometimes it doesn't feel the healthiest either. So I think everybody needs to come to some point. And again, we're talking about more advanced guys now because I don't think most thin starters are going to be in that boat. But you know what I mean? When you get to the point that your body mass index is in the upper 20s, you know, or you start you start pushing 28, 29, 30, which, by the way, is, you know, most people consider obese, but we're talking about more muscle mass, of course. Um, holy mackerel, you have a lot of weight on your frame. You know, exactly, and I don't care if it's good or not. I mean, one of the things I like to do in life is go hiking, go hiking up mountains and stuff like that, and it's amazing. I carry... I can carry 275, 280 fairly well. And guys look at me and they're like, oh, well, here, here's the big pack for you. And, you know, you're the workhorse. It's like, dude, I'm carrying me up the freaking mountain. <laughs> you know? Right on. Right on. And it, I don't care if it's muscle. It ain't easy to carry around. You know, it's just heavy. But uh, Well, because a lot of it's dead weight, right? I mean, your upper body's not, I mean, of course, it's helping you get up that mountain. But you know what I'm saying is a lot of that's kind of just meat. Yeah. And, uh. Well, I mean, the fact is like this. It's like it, it, it's the equivalent of walking around, of uh, being a, a like a dump truck, <laughs> and 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 using the dump truck to to run chores around town, like to go to the bank and something. Yeah, I mean, you're you've got all this available, you know, horsepower and and size and bed space and all this stuff, and all you're doing is running chores to the bank and to the grocery store. Right now, you know. So when you're actually yeah, not in the gym right. lifting. It's 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 kind of just sitting there not doing anything, you know. It's 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 all this horsepower that's not being used ninety nine percent of your day. But then again, you come back to the other thing. I mean, I'm all for people wanting to be to be okay or good at a lot of things. It's just not in my nature. Uh, I take something on and I want to be freaking good at it, you know. And I'm willing to sacrifice hiking and biking and that right now to be able to throw big heavy weights and pick up 700 plus deadlifts you know and it's but but i i take that on and i accept the responsibility and i accept the negatives that you know i'm not going to be able to to do this or that right now but you know years from now i know i can so you know one of the things that i gauge on myself is um you know you're talking Lonnie, about you know carrying two, 220 plus as as is for you and so forth you know, if if I can still really just live my life the way I always have and still not be out of breath doing things, I mean, I I don't I don't even look remotely like 290. People guess me. Even people who know muscle don't guess me at that big. They guess me at me like 240, 250. Yeah. So it's also just the way you hold the weight, you know, and what feels natural to you. Um, it's not the weight that feels uncomfortable to me it's just that you're eating so much so you're also ha- all the time you have a full gut you know food 
So it's not my body weight that pisses me off. It's just, it's to me, the discomforting thing is just the amount of food that you have to eat, that you always have to eat, and you always feel like you're full. And that, that to me, is just, you know, really, that's the uncomfortable part about it. Yeah, I can agree. I'll tell you what, just for people who are not real big, cause I, I, I'm, I'm just sort of concerned there's some guys out there that are 160, but like, all right, so you guys are kind of heavy. I'm not, you know, I don't. I, I'm not wheezing up a flight of stairs. <laughs> first of all, first of all, it's specialization, right? Let's be honest. I mean, the further you get in any sport, you start to sacrifice other components of physical fitness. You know what I mean? On, on some level, I'm not saying you necessarily have poor cardiovascular conditioning, but you know, you're not going to have the VO2 max of a marathon runner, nor I don't think Phil and, and Rob want that. Um, but anyway, uh, just for for a little bit thinner guys talking about w- what exactly we're eating and stuff is is probably a good idea or how many days a week in the gym and that kind of stuff. Now I eat a lot like Rob and I think you're probably going to hear a lot of similarities if you talk to people who've been competing for a while. But I'll get up. I usually have ten or twelve eggs with you know maybe I actually eat more egg yolks and whole eggs than I used to. My family just doesn't have real high cholesterol and I started questioning you know why am I avoiding egg yolks like crazy you know. So anyway, so I'll probably have, you know, um, four or five egg yolks now. I still don't make all of it whole eggs, but then I'll have a real, a nice big bowl of oatmeal and blueberries. I love oatmeal and mixed berries. And then, you know, every, I'd say every two to three hours, I'm just back at it. And I think that's when Phil was saying, you know, it gets old. I mean, I'm trying to eat somewhere around 3,500 calories a day, which isn't a real boatload. I mean, when I was 20, I might have been doing 4,500 calories. I'm just trying to go a little bit more slowly, you know, but, and then for lunch, I mean, we're talking about things like two or three sandwiches at a time, you know, with some other stuff on the side and, and you may, maybe a, you know, a protein drink and, you know, you, you just kind of keep it coming and you're eating multiple servings. I mean, don't think that you can eat a sandwich and move on because that's, that's not going to get you there, baby. You got to, you know, have three or four servings at a time. It might be, you know, when Rob says he has a bowl of oatmeal or I tell you I have a bowl of oatmeal, I mean a bowl of oatmeal. You know, I don't mean, you know, what's, uh, what's in one of those little tear packets. I mean, like, you know, half a dozen of those at least. I mean, you know, with uh, with the banana or with the blueberries or with some toast, you know, and and that kind of stuff. So, you know, you don't really want to arrive at a large it. size like overnight. I mean, even with the use of you know anabolic you know aids, it doesn't happen. I mean, certainly without it, it's a long, long haul. I mean, I've been at this for twenty five years, and when I, I mean, when I started lifting, I think I was one hundred and thirty pounds. You know, and I've never taken more than a couple of weeks off ever, and that was just for illness in 25 years. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's it's a slow haul. I mean, you don't just arrive at a big weight, you know. I mean, this is over many, many, many years of just kind of, you know, um, arriving there. People say, well, how oh, did yeah. you get there? Why? Well, I, I don't know. 25 years ago, I was 135 pounds, and here I am today. It's just, it's just, it's a long, long slog, you know. Yeah. Well, I think Jim Windler, I, I went to a seminar with him and Ripto and then a couple weeks back, and I think one of the things he said was great. He's like, you see all these programs, eight weeks to a bigger bench, six weeks to a bigger squat, this and that. He's like, screw that. You know, eight weeks, six weeks to nothing, man. I'm in this for life. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a lifetime haul. You know, you can't think eight weeks this, six weeks that. You know, you got to think long term and that you're in this forever and what it's going to take to get there. And you figure out what you want and go for it and do what it takes to get there. And I do like the idea of one year though. You know, like Tate talks about one year kind of things. I think that's, I like the idea of extended mesocycles like that. Not six or 12 weeks, but this year I'm going to get huge. Next year I'm going to get ripped. I think that's kind of cool actually. And nobody wants to do that. The thing is they think they can have this in six weeks. And I'd love to see, you know, it take 20 kids that, that say I can't get big. And make them dedicate a year to it. Not not six weeks to getting bigger arms, this and that, but freaking eat and train hard for a year and let's see where you're at. And you'd yeah. be amazed. I mean, if you just dedicate it and just shut off your freaking, turn your blinders on and just go hard with the fork and the weights. And you'll be amazed at, at what a year can do. You know, And it's just a year of your life. <laughs> That's it. That's the thing. I mean, 
I think that may be an age related thing too, because I mean, I think it's a little bit easier once you let, once you log 30 or 40 or 50 years on the planet, a year doesn't seem as long as it did when you were 20. You know, I think sometimes when you're 20, it feels like frickin' forever. But like you're saying, you still got the biological realities. You know what I mean? If you want to, like when I diet and I'm going to change my diet a lot later, you know, this year and in January and I'm not going to try to diet for a competition in six weeks or eight or even 10. It's going to be more like 25. That's half a year, you know? And I think when you're not on tons of drugs, that's the only way I think that you can coax the body fat off and leave much muscle behind at all. Otherwise, you're just, you know, chewing up like a 50-50 blend of muscle and fat, starving yourself down. And you can't listen to what these pros do. And I know Rob goes on about this all the time. Dude's on the cover of magazines. You can't do those approaches, six weeks to bigger guns or 10-week diet. Well, I would, I'm telling you right now, I would step on the stage at like 160 pounds emaciated if I tried to do one of those aggressive, super fast diets like, like the, you know, uh, users do. I cannot pull that off. So, you know. Well, I think going back to even the importance of food, um, you know, one of the big things Louis Simmons always said, you know, him and his whole crew are openly on anything they can get their hands on. Um, you know, one of the big things, you know, that he's always said is, you know, regardless of what they're on, they've got to freaking eat big. You know, I don't care if, if we took somebody and put them on anything we could find. If you didn't put the calories in their face, they didn't get to right. do anything. Right. And the yeah. same thing for the natural kid. I mean, the calories are the fuel to build things. If you have a lack of calories, despite the stimulus you create or the hormones in your body, you're not going to do a thing. So. Right. You know what? If you just, you said the word hormone there, uh, I think a lot of people need to understand one of the most anabolic hormones or anti catabolic hormones in your body is insulin. And you don't have to dope that. <laughs> you know, you can eat. If you're not a, di- a type 1 diabetic and you have, a, you know, a functioning pancreas, here's how you turn that on, you know, uh, amino acids or, you know, whole proteins and, and carbs. I mean, and some fats too, but, you know, that's under your direct control. And so you can go from single digit insulin levels in your blood. You can skyrocket those dozens and dozens and dozens of units of insulin in your blood because you ate. So yeah, it's under, it's under dietary control. And that's a hormone that actually works with testosterone and other anabolic hormones in a very, very nice way beyond the scope of this discussion. But you know, and I think now the risk, of course, is that it's indiscriminate. You know, insulin will build muscle and fat both. So you want to be jacking insulin with lots of healthy food, like Rob was saying. Almost think, you know, I mean, I know I've seen Rob eat buckets of like tuna and brown rice. You think that's fun? It's not fun. It's a ton of food, you know. Uh, so that's what we're talking about here. I mean, the occasional. Dry burger, I and you know, Rob, you you know, I agree with you. Rock on, go for it. You know, you're a, a, a somebody trying to gain some muscle. You're a young guy or whoever you're trying to put on some mass. Take it in. You know, you've got to learn to take it in. Like you said, we're not talking about goopy mayo and and gravy and and you know, I'm not about to bulk up by eating bars of cookie dough. You know, like I've heard that some guys do, but it's there's a huge amount of discipline. That goes into eating copious quantities of stuff like broccoli and chicken and brown rice and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. What I, yeah, what I like to do is have, try and do with myself is I've got a baseline foundational diet. And it's mainly protein and fat based and some veg. And then whatever I'm going for goal wise, if I get that in, I'm okay. And then if I need to gain weight, then I'll add in this other crap. I'll go over to the Chinese restaurant and eat there. Or I'll have, you know, we'll order a pizza one night and this and that. As long as I have this baseline of, of other good stuff coming in, you know, I just see the other things as fuel. Yeah, you know, not a, a bad idea. Eating, there's no bad foods, in my opinion, aside from, you know, high fructose, corn syrup, and trans fat. There's just bad foods for your goals. Um, they all have their place. You know, if I go out and I'm training my butt off and doing a ton of volume and heavy, heavy weights, you know, the occasional, uh, even milkshake isn't going to hurt me. You know, that stuff is going to go to use. You know. Right. Hey, Phil, can, can you give a typical, 
lunch for you then? Like talk, you know, maybe your clean basics and then if you want to add something to it or just some examples. I mean, like yesterday I had um, a bunch of leftover barbecue, which was basically just ribs and chicken. Mm -hmm. And then I had a couple pieces of pizza with it too. You know, something like that. A bunch of meat, and then there you go. I'll have this too, and a glass of milk. You know, I, I'm big on eating meat. Um, it's just worked for me. Um, that's how I lost all my weight. Was going pretty low carb and just eating meat and eggs and, and this and you know, I add it back on. I add other stuff back in. Um, you know, breakfast is a long line for you guys. I mean, I might have some bacon, eggs, and some toast or something. You know, with some milk. I'm, I'm big on milk when I'm putting on weight. It's kind of the first thing that goes away when I'm not. Um. Right. Oh, you know, along the lines of what I was saying before, m- milk milk really kicks up your insulin levels, people. So, you know, not to mention casein and whey. Milk is eighty percent casein, twenty percent whey. That's good stuff. You know, that's all high quality p- protein. Yeah, and it's I keep it pretty simple. You know, it's mainly it's meats and veggies, and then I add on other stuff. You know, if you want to be um, bull bull strong, you have got to eat. I mean, and I think we can all speak to this um, reality. If you have got to put, you know, consistently heavy weight on the bar, you know, ponderous, bar-bending, back-breaking weight, you have got to eat like a bull. Or you'll either break, get sick, or you're, you're... You just can't... The reality is you have to eat a lot of food. Like, I mean... You know, I eat, no matter how much I eat, if I know that I'm heavy squatting in two days, I have got to even ramp it up even more, you know, and that, and the stronger you get, the bigger you get, the more power you output you're able to achieve, that reality just gets more and more amplified. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the deal is, is that I don't really, I really don't believe you have to worry about getting overweight like we, we talked about. I mean, sure, I'm carrying some body fat, Rob's carrying some body fat, but it's not like it's useless. Um, the way I like to explain it, you know, if I owned a Toyota Prius, it's got a little 10-gallon gas tank. If I own a, a 454 SS Camaro, I better have a 20, 30-gallon gas tank. And then my body fat is my gas tank. <laughs> you know, I require more fuel to carry around. and uh, But but it's not useless. You know, I'm carrying the bigger chassis, but I got this big freaking motor that's moving me around. I mean, that's what I moved up here to NorCal, and I'm I'm at a new gym now, and I walk in there, and I'm outlifted and deadlifting the closest person by 350 pounds, and uh, they just see this big guy come in, they're oh no, you know this and that. Well, he's kind of he's carrying some body fat, this and that, and they got a rope hanging from the ceiling that's 25 foot up, and I haven't touched a rope since I was probably eight years old, and I was like, hey, let's see if I can climb this damn thing, and I climbed right up just using my arms. You know, and they're like, holy crap, one of the guys said, man, even big fat gorillas can climb ropes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, you know. I, I, you talk to, I mean, it, this is always the case. The bodybuilders and so forth that get injured are usually always in the dieting phase or a yeah. low fat phase. I mean, you know, the classic case of like a Vince Taylor or something, you know, tearing his bicep with a 15-pound dumbbell backstage pumping up his guns, which is actually did happen, by the way. I mean, it's always the case. So when you're, you're talking about a, a gas tank and your body fat being a gas tank, I am a firm believer that if you do, if you want to be bull strong and train bull heavy all the time, if you think that you can do that and do that at a, at a single body fat, you know, percentage of body fat, and not get hurt, I think you're dreaming. I really do. That doesn't yeah. mean you have to be some roly-poly tub fat piece of crap. That's not what I'm saying. You know, sloppy, I always call it sloppy. But, I mean, if you think you can get away with it with being nice and lean and trim and a little wasp boist, it isn't going to happen. It really isn't. Yeah. Let me add to that. Dude, let me let me add to that uh, metaphor that you guys have been talking about. If, you know, you're talking about the, the big gas tank and, you know, the giant, you know, Camaro engine and this and that. When you carry extra muscle mass, every pound of extra muscle mass you carry is going to have a calorie cost just because it's so metabolically active. And it depends on the research you look at, but it could be anywhere between six and a dozen extra calories a day. So that's a great analogy because even when big muscle cars like that sit still and idle at a stoplight, they're guzzling gas. So so when I say 2,800 surplus calories, I mean – 
average college male, to give you a ballpark, needs about 2,800, 3,000 calories. So if you need 3,000 calories technically to break even, again, you better get pretty heroic with the battle of the knife and fork because you've got to eat. Oh, I'm not hungry. You know, I tell athletes, I don't care. I don't want to be rude here, fella, but don't care. You think this is just about hunger? You know, because you've got goals. That's like telling your coach, you know, oh, I don't want to lift. Well, then get out, get the hell out of the gym, you know. So anyway, yeah, there's and I'm not saying it has to be negative, but there is that discipline component. And like Charles says, you know, the payoff comes later. So, you know, you've got to have that maturity factor and and you've got to get aggressive. Well, you know how you always hear people talk about you know, if you drink only, you know, water when you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Well, I've kind of, yeah, yeah. I've, I've kind of gone one further with that lately, and I've always said that if you eat when you're hungry, you're already catabolic. Yep. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, it would be yeah. nice. It would be real nice to not have to eat as much as I do. I would love to eat two or three times a day. I mean, that would be like heaven for me. But. Yep. But if you're doing that, you're just not going to achieve what you want to. I mean, and you're going to feel it massively when you get in the gym. You, you are, and you're going to be like, damn it. You know, I knew I should have ate that extra couple sandwiches or whatever the heck you're talking about, you know? Yeah, right. I think, uh, you know, Tommy Suggs, he was at that seminar that too, put it well. And Tommy is was a weightlifting champion, this and that. And guy's 72 years old now, and he's probably walking around at 160 in great shape. And, uh, you know, it was just something to realize. He was telling these kids, you know, you're young now. You don't have to carry that forever. You know, live, have fun, and pick up heavy things now. You know, all he, all the guys he competed with, he was talking about, you know, the guys that were 6'2 and this, and this and this and that, if they wanted to get on stage and have a chance at the Olympics, they had to push their weight up to 280, 290, 300 pounds. But the minute they were done, you know, their competitive life was over. He said they just quit eating like that. You know, it's not like you're not destining yourself to a life of being a big tub of humanity. You know, you got to realize that, hey, 10 years from now, I can change again. You know, these goals are not, you have to devote years to them, yes, but it's not like you've just given away your whole life for everything. Uh, you know, I don't, I full on expect to, to walk around 225, 230 later on in life because I know I'm most comfortable there. But now I have goals that are bigger than that. So, yeah. you know, Fortress, you um, one of the things that you and I have talked about is how much body fat you're actually willing to carry. You know, because we were talking about being natural, right? I mean, if you're just using tons of androgens and growth hormone or whatever it is, then you can you can be fantastically lean squatting six seven hundred pounds but guess what fellas if you're if you're clean you're not going to do that so you know everybody needs to sort of comes come to this comfort point sort of like what phil was just saying at what point are you comfortable with what you're carrying you know knowing that one day you know hopefully your hunger levels will go down and you'll be able to readjust and all that kind of stuff but how far am i willing to go while i'm young and strong you know, and because if you're afraid of going over 15% body fat, or for God's sake, 10 or 12% body fat, and you want to be in a pure strength sport, oh Christ, good luck to you. Because even in bodybuilding, and even as a middle-aged guy who's a little more concerned with not getting sloppy, because I'm afraid I won't get it off quite as well, but you know, I'm I'm still letting myself get up around 15% fat, you know, mid-teens this fall. Uh, and even then, it's only because I know that that's got to come off, and I, I'm i only going to have half a year to do that. You know what I mean? But if I didn't have a, a strict time frame of bringing that off, I might even go into the upper teens or anything. And now, for me, I can't, I don't carry weight super gracefully. If I get up, uh, you know, at one point I was 20% fat, I'm not carrying that so well. You know what I mean? But on guys that are really big, uh, like Rob's trying to describe sloppy, I would not describe Rob as sloppy. Does Rob have a bit of a belly? Yeah, I would call that a power belly. But his shoulders are also incredibly broad and thick. You know what I mean? So it makes it, like Rob said, you carry it better. At 280, yeah. you carry 20% pretty well. Yeah. I mean, the weight, when the weights get higher, that, that percentage becomes less and less um, obvious. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, think you know, 25% body fat. You, you know, you're 180 pounds with, 
you know, relatively little bit of muscle, then yeah, you look like a big porker. But I mean, yeah, if you're a 300 pound man with 30% body fat, but a ton, yeah. shit ton of muscle, you know, and your frame it can hold that kind of weight, it, it, yeah, you, again, like, to use a phrase, power belly, you, I mean, you look at all these guys, like guys like Brad Gillingham. I mean, you think that guy doesn't have a gut? You know, his, he had a huge gut. But in the context of his, the rest of him, you know, it, it's it's really not that alarming. You know, if you yeah. just took the gut itself and looked at it, okay, that's a huge gut. But again, in in relation to the rest of ge- you know the physical geography that's going around him, it it it, it kind of fits. It looks right, you know. And it's uh, I mean they did a study not too long ago of of powerlifters, elite powerlifters across the board and strong. And so we're talking, you know, Lonnie's talking from a bodybuilding aspect, even getting into the fifteen, maybe high high teens in the offseason. They they figured out across the weight classes, you know, to be that level, the guys that were doing the best were in the eighteen to twenty percent range. I'm not. You know, they were the strongest. They were putting up the biggest loads. And this is across weight classes. You're talking. It included the one sixty five, the one twenty eight classes, stuff like that. You know. So I mean, they averaged all those together, and uh, you know, you got to carry some some gas. Hey, we've said it, we've we've you know <laughs> we, we've said it before, but I mean. And this isn't very scientific. It's just a single example. But there was a gym owner in my old town, you know, back in Ohio. The guy was always in shape. And you know what? 20 years later, I looked at the dude and I looked down at myself. I mean, was I as ripped as him all the time? Nope. Wasn't nearly as ripped or tan. And, and I mean, there were times when I was very ripped. But I looked down at myself and I thought, my God, I outweigh this dude who was sort of one of my heroes when I was young. I outweigh this dude by 50 freaking pounds you know he always tried to stay lean and he never did get big i mean the word thick would just never describe him i don't know well yeah i mean it's one of those cash point twos right you want to be big thick and gnarly you gotta lift heavy weight you want to lift heavy weight you gotta eat lots of food you eat lots of food you're not always gonna look like a little you know sexy beach body and so it's one of those things where it's a big circle. I mean, you got to, and you, you know, a lot of people are, and, and I can be guilty of this myself because, like you said, uh, Lonnie, you know, we're, just as humans, we're so, you know, aesthetically, visually oriented in a lot of ways. You know, people have this idea, just the general public that, you know, well, if you're an athlete, you have to be, you know, this ideal kind of comic book <clears throat> character with, you know, ripped up and, and people don't realize, you know, that, you know, I mean, because, I mean, think about it. The world of elite strength sports is, is such a small one, and so few of the main, you know, so few in the mainstream have any sort of knowledge about it. That you know, you're always fighting that thing about, oh, do people think I'm fat? Do people think I'm this? Do people think I'm that? But you know what? You got to kind of transcend that and just get beyond that and be like, it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks. Like Phil's always talking about. You know, whatever you want to do, do it 100% and just kind of put those blinders on, you know, and go at it. You know, and if you're achieving even 80% of what you want to, then you're succeeding. And that's not easy sometimes. I want to add one thing. One of the things that I'm trying to do by gaining weight more slowly instead of just really, you know, sort of going balls to the wall like I used to is, you know, I've got to think that right or wrong in academic circles, you know, you get behind the podium and you're purple-faced and 300 pounds and you're gigantic and ready to pop, that people aren't going to take you very seriously. <laughs> so I've got to, I've got to be sort of careful there. You know, I mean, am I going to be like that? Hell no. I, I, I couldn't weigh 300 pounds if I, if I wanted to, but, but you get the point, you know, that I, I do have to have some level of, of discretion, uh, you know, and my glucose tolerance isn't quite what it used to be. So I'm more like Phil probably. I probably, you know, get a little more liberal with some of the healthy fats and stuff. And it's not just carbs all the time. I guess I'm probably eating something like 200, 220 protein, maybe twice that many carbs and 100 grams of fat a day if you want to, you know, that would ballpark like 3,300 calories or something. So, but, you know, I'm trying to do it with some kind of a pace. But it is hard and you're right. And I'm trying to come to the same conclusion uh, from your advice there, which was, you know, get over it. Put the blinders on. Are you serious about doing this or not? Because you cannot pussyfoot around when it comes to the battle of the knife and fork. You cannot. And there's one last point I want to bring up and I ask you guys before we sort of wind down is the flip side to all this of creating a positive energy balance is not just how much you're shoveling in your pie hole, but number of days a week. So one of the things I'm doing differently this fall is I'm training four days a week 
instead of five. And I think, Rob, you probably train even less than that, don't you? Lately, I've been going to. And I've been, and, and that's by design, by the way. I'm not just getting lazy about it because, you know, my, my inclination is always to train as much as possible because I love it so much. But, yeah, I train Tuesdays and Saturdays. A lot, and I'm going to do that probably, not forever, but for the next, certainly the next uh, several weeks. And I'm getting positive results from it. I mean, again, I'm in a growth spurt. My weights are all going up. You know, uh, Phil will be happy to know that my deadlift is really coming up really good now. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's big time. I mean, if you're training the typical bodybuilding magazine four, five, six days a week, you know, I mean, it, it's just unrealistic. I would think four, four is not too bad, you know. And like I said, for me to cover just because of the routine that I've got together. But, you know, I've also got sort of an optional day built in where if I feel beat to hell – I just don't go in and I don't feel bad about it one bit. You know, that's my, that's like my weekend day. I'm like, all right, day number four, do I go, you know, do I squat or, you know, no way I, I'm trashed from back day or whatever. And like, you know, Phil was talking about that last week, I think, you know, you got to think about you systemically, not just individual parts. And so I'll just take the day off. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting you bring that up because certainly as, as a person who used to compete as a bodybuilder and now, is, you know, strength sports, it's, it's a bit, if it's a different kind of, you know, like when I used to train more as a bodybuilder, of course I always considered myself a power bodybuilder, but, um, yeah, I mean, muscular soreness was kind of a gauge, but now, um, you know, when I'm trashed, it's not, it's less usually because I have muscle direct, you know, direct specific muscle soreness and just, you yeah. know, it's just an overall, you know, feel like you just got run over kind of a thing. Yeah, heaviness. Like my sometimes my legs will feel real heavy. I can't say it's stinging soreness that I can't get up the stairs, but there's like this heaviness and fatigue in your, you know, or you almost feel it in your bones, you know. So, and let's be careful here. If, if you're if, if people who are listening, you're beginner, you're intermediate. Be careful here because we're talking about this is not a lack of discipline in any way, right? Phil, Rob, me, we've been lifting for decades, and we know when it's time to punch the clock. So if it's time to punch the clock, you get your ass in the gym and you punch the clock. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about if you're brutalized, you know, from some heavy back and then leg work like two days in a row or something, um, you know, and you, your body is telling you, then try to listen. Try to develop that skill. Listen to your body, you know. And it is a skill. It's a skill and a discipline that, that needs to be had if anybody wants to have sort of any sort of longevity in this, for sure. That's a good point. Yeah, it, it, it well, is. Well, honestly, it comes from, from doing the wrong thing. You know, that's the only way I learned it. Right, from, right. From going too hard and too much. And you do that enough times, it's like, man, I should have walked away. I should have walked. And then hopefully, eventually, you start listening, listening to yourself. Now, Phil, what about you? How many times a week are you going? Or, or, I mean, are you backing off because of some recovery? I'm like you. It's, it's, I have four days scheduled, but one's an optional day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so, works really well. Yeah. That kind and of. If I, if I come in that day, I'll always go. Like Rob said, I just go to the gym. But if I still walk in and it's like I shouldn't be here, I'll just turn around and leave. Or I'll just hang out and help coach other people. Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, yeah, yeah. And like you say, Lonnie, no guilt. No guilt. Yeah. No, I mean, if you're no, being no. honest with yourself, there should be no room for guilt. Yeah. I mean, if you're leaving because you're, you know, cheesing out and your friends want to meet at the bar, you know, an hour early, you know, yeah. then yeah, guilt all the way. But I mean, <laughs> you, you know, but if you, if you, honest to God, sincerely, no. That you know you're going to be doing more harm than good. No guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Don't flake out. Fortress will show up in person to shame on you, and you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. Is there anything else? No, I think, I think that's a good one. Yeah. 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 At, at least it's some real world examples. You know. Of, you know, like a weight gain goal, and and how many days a week? What what we're talking about eating in each meal and that kind of stuff. And, you know, everybody's genetically different. Maybe some people need more carbs than others. And, you know, age is always a factor and stuff. So, I mean, you know, if you're younger, maybe you need more carbs. But I'll add in one more thing, I guess. It's, uh, you know, what's always worked for me and worked for other people that I've helped is, uh, you know, if your goal is to gain 15 pounds, I don't like doing it over, okay, I'm going to gain 15 pounds in 15 weeks and gain one pound a week. I tell them to put it off. Put the frickin' 15 pounds on as fast as you can because if you're trying one pound a week, you're going to mess up and you're only going to gain six or seven. Eat until you're 15 pounds and then just hold it. And it's going to work out. 
if, if you if you gain 15 pounds and then train and just maintain that weight, things are going to work out. Ooh, good point. If you can hold if you can hold a new body weight high for and I wish I knew how long this was. I think it's different for everybody. But if you can hold that new high for weeks to months, then I agree with you, Phil. I think some kind of set point mechanism, I don't know if it's your hypothalamus or some kind of hormonal thing, but your body will start to accept that higher set point, I think. I think yeah. that's probably, Phil, congratulations. I think that was probably the, uh, one of the best <laughs> with me in this whole, honest to God. I congratulations. Think <laughs> Honestly, because, I mean, that is a wonderful thing, because I agree a thousand percent, and Lonnie yeah. and I have discussed that a long time, too. I mean, you get yourself to a certain weight, and even if it's, in your opinion, sloppy for you at that point, if you can yeah. hold that weight and train at that weight consistently. Exactly. Months, your body will, yeah, it'll it, it'll recompose itself so it's not yep. so sloppy anymore. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's worked for me, and it's the only way I came, you know, from 165 up to what I am now. It was like, okay, I'm putting on 20 pounds, and I just keep it, and I keep it for six, eight months, and all of a sudden it's there. Yeah. And I'd, I'd hold that, and then when I did actually come down, I wouldn't come down as low as I was before. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think that's a good place to end it. That sounds good, guys. All right, well, thanks a lot, guys. Cool talk. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like Iron Radio, if you like what we do, uh, the education, interviewing uh, industry personalities, or many of the pro bodybuilders or coaches that we've had in the past, uh, please just click on the donate button at www.ironradio.org and make a donation. We've had some great donations from people that have kept us going. Thank you so much. Uh, so please visit uh, the website, click on the donation button, or if you like, uh, and it's a similar situation, buy some Iron Radio cool stuff. We've got t-shirts and mugs and things like that, and those things help support the site and keep us on the air. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.